So your question was, what's level five all about? What's the mission? Um, it's, it's to take a lot of those lessons uh, forward um, and, and help entrepreneurs understand what's really important. You know, you're an entrepreneur and, and uh, I'm going to guess that at some point, um, how you, th you thought about a business or a market or a client base, you know, at some point forced you into a bit of a corner and you started to feel like, I don't really want to be a part of this business anymore. And you lost your freedom of why you started that business in the first place. And so my whole goal is to teach people not to do that. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to the Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a special guest today. I have Ken Andruco, and he has done an amazing amount of different businesses. He's been on the forefront of, uh, of industry pivots, um, including graphic arts, motion pictures on location services, uh, viniculture consolidation, ethnic food importation consolidation, and health and wellness for the masses. Right now, Ken is the uh, leader of the Level 5 Mentors. Um, he spends most of his time up in the mountains of British Columbia, uh, Canada, with his wife, Crystal, and dog, Billy, uh, considering the next major industry shift, which we're going to get into and talk about. Um, right now, Ken focuses on mentoring founders and entrepreneurs to unlock their potential capabilities and scale their businesses while maintaining freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose. He's currently working on creating a major coaching business for entrepreneurs and building a software business that allows remote teams to work together in real time. The other three and a half days a week, Ken focuses on making his wife's dreams come true, which I love that. So Ken, welcome to Money Talkers. Cody, thanks for having me, man. I, I, I love what you're doing and uh, I just appreciate um, exposing uh, what it is I do and believe into your audience. So thank you so much. Well, that's awesome. I know that it, uh, it's going to be a value-driven conversation. Um, I, I kind of want to, uh, I like to hit the ground running. Um, so I'd like to kind of jump in and talk about what you're building with Level 5 Mentors right now, um, if you would, and, um, and what the vision is for that company. Sure. Um, listen, I, I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, uh, with the exception of one job I had when I was a kid. Uh, I worked for my dad <laughs> and I realized really quickly that I wasn't meant to be an employee. I was a real pain in the butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a realization. A lot of entrepreneurs I think have to come to, yeah. right. That just realize I, you're, you're the actual pain in the room. So, yeah, I, uh, 
I'm, I'm so grateful I learned it early on. And I'm also really grateful that I learned a lot of what not to do uh, on how to live a life from my dad. Um, I know you mentioned in our preamble um, together that you lost your dad at an early age. Um, I lost mine uh, to alcoholism. Uh, not He didn't pass away from it. Uh, he lived into his uh, mid-80s, but um, I lost him because he just he wasn't a part of a quality life. So um, I, I spent many years not having a relationship with him. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I spent a lot, lot of time um, begrudging him for all of that. And then there was a time where I realized I needed to honor him for it because he actually showed me what not to do. Mm. Um, and it actually is the thing that set me on a path of, of you know, high values, um, you know, a good set of morals. Uh, really, when I when I have a relationship with someone, that I, I want to give it everything I got. Um, so it, I, I just bring it up because I, I know what you're doing is 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 in regards to parents um, and kids and the relationship they have about money and and success and entrepreneurship. So um, I, for me, if my opportunity was the challenge that my dad presented to me um, and how I think that's my, a really my upbringing. I think it's a really important point. I'm sorry to cut you off there. The, um, but I, I think that you said something in there that is extremely powerful that I went through myself, which was a paradigm shift of what I saw happen to me became a, a, a driver for what I wanted to be. Right. When my dad died, I thought, man, this isn't fair. Like, this isn't cool. You know, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe life did this to me. God did this to me, all those things, you know? And then later I thought, man, I was so lucky to have the time I had because of what he instilled me to do. And that it was going to be a driver that I didn't want other on, I didn't want other parents to be there. And hopefully that's how it came through my mission. And so you said that kind of in there is that you, you, you had a paradigm shift of the same situation. Right. And that's, that's a big key for people to realize yeah, I, I literally could have spent my whole life hating him because there was a lot of not really nice things that went on during those those years. Uh, but instead, I just chose, it was literally, Cody, like a moment in time where it happened. Mm. Um, and I just chose to honor him. And that allowed me to let go all of that pain and hurt and hate and everything else. It was it was really quite fascinating. And my, my life from that point forward just started to like uptick like crazy. Well, you know, you carry baggage, right? They, they use the term baggage, but you, you're literally, you're carrying this emotional things and like they hold you down and you can be angry and upset, but it's weird to like, it, but if you make that choice to let go, like you've, you've basically built your muscles so strong from carrying that and doing, be, trying to be successful while carrying baggage. When you let go, I think it really, like you said, it kind of takes off like a rocket ship because you've, yeah. It's almost like a, you know, an athlete training. For sure. So your question was, what's level five all about? What's the mission? Um, it's, it's to take a lot of those lessons uh, forward um, and, and help entrepreneurs understand what's really important. You know, you're an entrepreneur and, and uh, I'm going to guess that at some point, um, how you, th you thought about a business or a market or a client base you know, at some point forced you into a bit of a corner. 
and you started to feel like, I don't really want to be a part of this business anymore. And you lost your freedom of why you started that business in the first place. And so my whole goal is to teach people not to do that and, and help people who are in that corner get out of it and find the freedom. Um, we all started businesses for reasonably the same reason. And that was to have freedom of one of five things or all of them, money, time, relationships, purpose, uh, and health. So it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch entrepreneurs do that to themselves. So in my, in my time with helping folks, what I end up doing is I spend a lot of time trying to understand how they think, and then I plan out their business future and then work backwards based upon how they think and give them the opportunity to build it the way that they should have in the first place. Um, my, my personal view on, on how my vision changed about businesses was when I began to think of it what not as personal, just as a tool, you know, that it's something that you design, you can back into, you can lay out, that there are part departments and pieces that go together. And when do you find that the entrepreneur uh, most likely gets into that mindset of, I no longer am having fun, you know, this thing's out of control or they're back in that corner? You know, I think what it is, is they ask themselves often the wrong question. It's how do I scale this business? How do I make more money? How do I get more customers? And it's, it's their ambition that's kind of getting in the way. They, they're here. So for those listening and not, can't see me, <laughs> I've got my hand sort of at a midpoint. Um, but their ambition is much higher than that midpoint. And they, their, their ambition is causing them to procrastinate because their ambition is much higher than their current capabilities. And they keep asking themselves, how do I do this? Which they don't have the answer for because it's beyond their current capability. And so the question they should be asking themselves is who has the answer to help me get to this new level I have this ambition to get to? So who could be a lot of different things? It could be a coach, it could be uh, an education, it could be a, you know, uh, a partner, a collaborator, um, you know, many, many different things. But the point is, is that the first stage of, of um, over ambition is procrastination. And, and that's really where people get stuck. They don't know where their capabilities end and their ambitions grow. The irony is the ambition got them there in the first place, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to throw another person to that who, and uh, that's a, that's a, that's an operator. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times that like, I think a lot of the frustration comes from being the visionary of a business because you had to think of it as an idea first, then becoming an operator is uh, frustrating. I think for the visionary yeah. person. Right. And because we think we can do everything better than everybody else, we must do everything. <laughs> I've been uh, heard to say the following. Um, if you, if we build this business and achieve 
some level of status quo, it's my time to leave because if I stay, I will mess it up just to have something to do. <laughs> we break things to fix them, right? <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I build stuff, right? So I don't, I, I don't like the status quo. I always try to find great operators and hold them close and make sure that, um, you know, that, that we maintain a level of status quo after we've scaled. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people worry about in costs as opposed to, which I would think is that the, the, the visionary, the driver, the entrepreneur, the founder, whatever you want to call it is the driver, right? And so you can't move up while they're doing the work, but you can't see what you're going to move up to because you haven't given your mind the ability to do that because you're occupying it with work. Right. Right. And I, I value operators, um, tremendously because I, I am not, you know, I know that I don't want to be sometimes yeah. I think I am, but again, like it's just, it's not where my skill set drives the most value. I feel like. Yeah. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I used to think that I was good at running a business. I was good at building a business and moving <laughs> on. <laughs> <That's>, I've, <laughs> I've had three seven figure businesses and all three of them, I had an operator partner. I had 10 other businesses all failed. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand the value. I didn't realize that until I started to educate myself more about it. And, uh, it was frustrating, but you know what? It's the best thing because that I realized that we all have special talents, you know, in the world, neither one's better than the other, you know, an operator looks at a visionary and goes, wow, like, how'd you come up with these ideas? And you look at them, you're like, how can you keep this all together? <laughs> you know, like you got everything done. Like, wow. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're there to tell you some of your ideas are awful because they, you're going to drive a lot of them and, and, and you have to go through those, I think, to find the discovery of the best ones. Yeah. And a good, and a good operating partner protects the team and staff from your ideas. Ah, that's a great point. I was, I was kind of thinking of how to say that, but I also agree that they're much better at handling staff. I think that's where the big key difference is. Well, I, I, I can think of times, Cody, where I walked into a room full of staff and the look on their faces was pure fear. It's like, what kind of crazy stuff is he about to tell us <laughs> that we're never going to see happen and we can't tell him that, that, it, that it's not going to, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I would go in and just flip scripts on everybody and everyone would walk out of those meetings more confused than when they came in. And, uh, you know, then you get a, a good operating partner is like, here, let's spend some time talking about ideas yeah. and I'll pass, I'll pass some of them on to the team. Zero. <laughs> lunch, lunch is going to save the company. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And so uh, I, I think um, as, as in that role and that, that mindset, um, I think that that's what's been one of my favorite parts about podcasting is to talk to other people that feel that way, because when you're in that role, it's very alienating and it's not what you want because your goal, your, your ultimate goal is success. Obviously you want to see other people succeed. You want to see the company succeed, but it can be, it can be tough being the trailblazer, you know? Yeah. Well, look, if, if you and I were in different roles right now, you're, you're coming from an operator perspective and I'm an, a crazy entrepreneur, we're unrelatable. 
we're both going to feel weird. Mm -hmm. Right. And the beauty of the fact that you're not, you're an entrepreneur and I'm not, I'm an entrepreneur and we've seen all of these successes and failures. We immediately become relatable to one another. Mm -hmm. We've only just started talking and I already feel akin to you just because you and I relate very quickly. Yeah. It's kind of like old friends, right? Like you might not see him for three, four, five years. And then the second you see him, the conversation within five minutes is back to just exactly what it was five years ago because you can just, it just flows right together. It's crazy. A lot of, a lot of people are learning that right now because of COVID. They've got a lot of time on their hands to think about all the things that have transpired through their years and they're reaching out to old friends. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I think it's probably different in, in all cases, right? Like, um, if there's a, a solid reason to be reaching out, um, you, you're, you're authentic in your, uh, feelings for that. I think it's a good thing. Um, if it's, if it's just you're bored and you're like, Oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so for a while. I just saw him on Facebook saying something. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a real friendship. It's, uh, like you said, I, I've got friends, deep friendships with people I haven't seen in, in quite a long time. Um, and, you know, we tr try our best to stay in touch. Uh, and we've been in touch more during COVID because we have commonality and something to talk about. How are you doing with this? How are you handling it? What about your business? So on. My dad told me, uh, I always like to kind of, I did, they remind me of stuff, but he had told me when I was a kid, I think it was in high school. Um, if you, you know, if you die with five friends, you've lived a successful life. It's like an old Irish thing. Right. And, um, I always thought he was crazy when he was telling me that, you know, I was like, dad, I have like tons of friends. And he was like, just keep that in mind. And as I've gotten older and older and hopefully a little wiser, I guess, to the world, um, I think I've realized that, uh, that he was right. You know, you've lived a very successful life if, because I've learned that just because I have commonalities of, you know, uh, entertainment with people doesn't necessarily mean that they're willing to hold me to check that they look for my intention sometimes and not maybe some of the words I've used um, that may have irritated them, but that they look past that because there's a, they know the intentionality behind that for me. And, uh, right. I think it's a very, very important valid point to look at is that, you know, you need to build those relationships. You need people who don't yes you all the time, you know? A hundred percent. And it's, it's an interesting thing to, to sit with because, as successful entrepreneurs, I, I think a lot of people look to us uh, with, a, you know, they look up to us, they wonder how we do things, um, and they're less likely to call us on stuff. Real friends call you on stuff. They don't care what you do, how much money you make, or where you live. I couldn't agree with that more. You know, it's... Uh... It's, it's very, very, and it's, and I think that as you know, it, it, it's because also I think it's hard to talk about real stuff because we have problems no matter what level you get to, 
And the higher you go up, the less people there are to talk to about it. And so I, I value those, those people in my life more than they'd probably ever know. Uh, probably yeah. more than, a lot more than I tell them, you know, and I should tell them more, but um, it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big factor for me, the way that I see the world because I have such a support system with them. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to, to, to try different things and go out and, you know, I don't worry about being unsuccessful because I know that they're not leaving. Yeah. A lot of the folks that I, I work with um, are shocked by the level and depth of conversation I ask of them. Um, because most times what's holding them back is something in their past that they haven't dealt with, um, how they were brought up. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's a bit scary to say, but I, we end up in, in pretty tearful conversations uh, more often than not uh, in the early stages of our working together. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've probably heard this quote before, but, you know, entrepreneurs often have to get out of their own way to be successful. That's what I'm talking about. I, you know, I, I, so taking the, the outside view to that, I don't like to complain about problems, right? I like to try to find solutions just naturally. And so I would say that if you know that's a thing that you know that you have, you, you are working with high level people and you're having to go back and break what they've you know, come up with and done those things uh, in the financial world or in your family world um, called a money story, right? What's your money story? What is your, what, what did your parents teach you? What do you think about money? What do you think, you know, what do you want from life with money? What is your money story going to be going forward? Cause you can rewrite it. And I think that if we as parents looking at that with our kids and we're now becoming self-aware of it at whatever age they are that they're, you're coaching them to, at, if you're, a, if you know that you should be pretty excited because you can now rewrite the money story that you want in your family. Yeah. Uh, where were you when I was a kid? Um, <laughs> Cause the money story, the money story, the money story in my family was, uh, you know, spend more than, than you bring in. And then when it runs out, figure out, you know, figure out the next step. Um, and it was one of those things that I witnessed and learned and thought, Hmm. This, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, and so my life, you know, changed to, um, you know, make more than you make more than you spend or put more away than you're, than you're spending. Um, I, you know, I don't have any technical things that I do and I don't sit there and work on percentages or anything like that. I, you know, I, my, my belief is that, um, I have a, a, a gift of influence um, that I've developed over my years. Um, my audience um, continues to get larger. Um, and if I can influence larger audiences, the funny thing happens. Value starts coming back. Um, and if I'm giving more value than I'm receiving, I'm a pretty happy guy. Yeah. So that's kind of how I live my life. It's an emotional wealthy. 
Mm. Right. And uh, you mentioned the five but things. The, but the crazy thing is, Cody, is the, co- the, the crazy thing is, though, that I've, I'm not going to say I'd never have, but I've seldom gone into anything with money being the primary goal. But the result is that I've had a lot of money at the end of what I went into. Coaching so many entrepreneurs, you know, that can't get out of their own way. Do you think that's the main problem that they went in chasing the money and not the solutions? Oftentimes. And when it starts with money, um, and, and I will tell you that, uh, I ran a private equity fund for a lot of years. Um, and it was about money. There's no more simple, uh, explanation of when it's about money. It's like, we have an idea. These investors want to put money to fund the idea. They want to return on their money. And so getting up every morning, my, my number one concern was doing the right things to ensure that we won on all deals so that we could return as much money um, over and above what was originally invested. And when it's about money, what tends to happen is you start compromising your values. And that's when it becomes really uncomfortable for someone who is well connected to their values. But because you're, for me, speaking for me personally, because I was in a situation where, which I put myself in, I needed to make sure that we were returning over the course of the term. Um, I, w- I would always aim to win. And that, that didn't always feel good. Do you, um, do you think the, the, the future of business is that way? Or is that going to always be a subsector of short-term wins to get the capital out and move forward? Or do you think the ESG type of financing now that's going to, or uh, lend, uh, I'm sorry, of the public market perception is going to be the future? Are those all, those all going to exist, coexist? I don't know which one's going to be more prevalent. Um, I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on right now in relation to how they're going to dig themselves out of the hole globally that we're putting ourselves in with COVID. Um, I think that's going to have a lot of, a lot of impact on all levels of wealth. Um, and, and I, you know, you, you can't print money to these levels and not expect something to change. But um, here's the thing, man, like any time in my life that there's been a massive obstacle or challenge, whatever you want to call it, change is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart and you, you're, you don't get pulled into the negative cycle of it all and you look for the trends, you will find ways to reimagine how people work together and how a product or service is delivered at a higher level than it was previously. And that's a pivot. That's a pivot. I was going to ask you, because I know that uh, that's been one of your uh, 
I guess, highlights, right, throughout your career is being able to try and spot that pivot. And I know that we're kind of at a pivot point in the world and a feel you can feel it. Um, I'm curious of what you see being the pivot to. What do you think? Where, where are the winners? What are the things that people are going to have opportunities with? Well, I think we've, by the time this is done, we will have spent a year teaching people how to work differently, um, how to work remotely, be successful working from home or wherever. Um, and technology is, is available now that brings people together from, you know, diverse places. It doesn't matter where you are now. Well, you're in talk, Florida, I'm in British Columbia. I say right now, we're, we're, we're in two different countries right now. So right. pretty awesome. And um, the, the interesting thing will be is how do large teams do the same thing? How do you make it feel for that team that they're in the same place throughout the, their work, and work day? And, and how do you make it easy for if you and I need to talk to John, how do we, how do you just basically walk down the hall, knock on John's door and say, you got five minutes? We have an idea we want to talk about. Because mm. right now, if we want to bring John into this meeting, that's difficult. Yeah. You're going to get on your phone and you're going to text John and John's going to say, yeah, okay, well, what's the link to the thing? And then there's all this back and forth. And now we're all over all these different platforms. So making the always on connection from a workplace perspective available, I think is going to be a major uh, pivot. Now look, there's, there's a lot of large um, organizations that are desperate to get people back in the office and they claim it's their culture. And if you were to look at how they performed during the social distancing phase of COVID and they were working from home, not a lot changed. In fact, they were happier, they felt more free, and they got more work done. The, the nine to five work environment is very archaic. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of books out there about the seven minute work day or I don't know, there's a ton of those things, right? Um, I work three and a half days a week. And, the, and the, 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 the time when I made that decision to do that, uh, it was a bit scary because I was a guy that filled up all the hours and all the days. I was, you know, a bit of a workaholic, I guess you would call that. Um, and when I, when we decided to build this place where I'm at right now, um, I made a commitment to myself and my wife that we were going to be here a lot. If we're going to build this place, we're going to enjoy it. And so we decided that Thursday afternoons, we're going to leave the city and come out here and spend the, uh, spend the weekend until Sunday evening and then go home. And when I did that and those three and a half days became what I term free days, and I didn't do anything that felt like work. When I got back to work, I was ready to work. I had rejuvenated my brain. I was 
back to activating these creative thoughts. Um, and I could communicate better with my team and my clients. And I got way more work done. I was going to ask what the end result, it had to be more work completed and not, I wouldn't say more work done, but probably bigger completions of moving the needle. Right. So less, you know, replying to emails, more company vision, right? Yeah. I'm terrible at replying for uh, emails. (laughs) (laughs) I keep, uh, uh, so funny. So I, uh, one of the books, you know, that's like that is, uh, is eat the frog, right? which is a, a long-term older one. And I, I recently re-listened to it and uh, I was teaching my son who's six, the concept and my daughter who's eight. right. So I, when I learn stuff in these books, I like to go talk to them, relate to them and just, they, they eat it up, you know? And, and, um, but what's funny is I started running with my son um, during this coronavirus deal. You know, I'm like, well, you know what? He doesn't get any exercise at school. Like I'm going to start taking them. It's so funny, man. He'll run. And he'll see people out doing the yard work and stuff. And he's like, hey, have you eaten frog yet today? <laughs> and he yells that out at him. <laughs> it just reminded me of that as you were talking about that, that I, I think that one of the benefits um, that we need to do, and Stephen Covey said this, is that when you learn something, you need to teach it, right? And so mm-hmm. I try to practice that in my household with my kids. And I'm always amazed at the amount of interest they have when I talk about these kinds of things. You know, I think that them being able to have that solid footing and, you know, kind of what you're talking about, being home, being more present at work. Uh, I think that's a good saying for it is that if you are working from home through this, the reason that your productivity is going to go up is because you're more present when you're working. If you've got eight hours to sit in an office and you have three tasks that are really important and you've got 10 that are not and you got the rest of the time to just be there you don't, I don't, I don't think you accomplish nearly as much. I think you just say, ah, oh, I can get it tomorrow. You know, the manana principle, right? I'll do it mm-hmm. manana. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I, I can't imagine being in an environment anymore that, you know, you're, you're, you're watching your clock. Like, have I got my eight hours in yet? Like, I, I, I don't ever want to be in the time for money business. Yeah, there's no I leverage. I want to be paid because of value delivered. That's 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 it. That's uh, leverage, right? Yeah. There's two great books that I would absolutely encourage anyone listening to read. One is uh, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Um, if you read that book, you now, now know me. Really? Yeah. It is an amazing book. It, it'll take you two to three hours to read. It's it's small, but it's life-changing. The Go-Giver by who? Bob Berg. Okay. And the other one, and I don't remember the, the author, is a book called A Beautiful Constraint. It's talking about turning your limitations into advantages. And any time that you look at your career as an entrepreneur, there was some limitation that you noticed, struggled with, overcame and turned it into your advantage. Guarantee it. Where do you think that comes from? Where do I think 
the concept comes from or where do I think no, that the feeling? Achie- the, the achievement from, you know, because you said as an entrepreneur, I guarantee there's been a point that you did this, right? Where do you think Ooh. that comes from in the, in the, in the, in the uh, entrepreneur? This ever present, persistent feeling that you need to achieve. Um, and I've watched like the largest co- retailer in the world is Walmart. Where'd they come from? Arkansas, Benton, right? Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> Benton, Arkansas. That's a tiny little place. Yeah. Most people would go, how did you do that? Like that limitation of like that you only had 500 people in your town. How'd you do that? They turned and that they turned that into the story, right? Uh, Apple started in a garage. Amazon. You ever how seen do it? we know these? How do we know these things? There's a great Amazon photo of Jeff Bezos in a garage with a with a like a towel like a sheet that has spray painted Amazon on it, and his, that's his office building. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but the the, the thing about books, it is, they turn these <laughs> they turn these limitations or constraints into their advantage, and they they tell this story all the time with like. Apple is a trillion dollar company. Why do I know where it started? Because they've told their story so many times. Mm. Right. Yeah. And the, the, the constraint that I made of my time. So three and a half days a week did only one thing. It constrained the amount of time I had available. So the time I had available was more valuable. Yeah. And that goes both ways, by the way. Yeah. Three and a half days a week that I have with my wife, also more valuable. Yeah, you're probably much more present, right? And so instead of being half in, right, being being eighty percent there and eighty twenty percent in the business still, and then the same thing at work, eighty percent in the business and twenty percent, uh, wishing you weren't there, right, and doing those kind of things. And uh, if you go a hundred percent on a three and a half days, it's way more powerful than eighty percent on uh, on five days or whatever you want to call it. And when, when three and a half days are done, I'm ready for them to be done. <laughs> like today, today is the day, Cody. Like when I'm at noon today, I'm out. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I could probably talk to you about this for another couple hours if we want to get into, but I got I to gotta be mindful of time. And so, um, Ken, I want to thank you for that uh, insight and conversation. Um, if the Money Talker audience wants to find out more about what you're doing, um, where's the best place that they can come out to find you? A couple places. Um, they can go to level five, the number five, mentors.com. Um, they can find me personally um, on Instagram at perfect, perfect day every day. Um, and I think that's about it. I mean, you, could, you can hit me up at Ken at level5mentors.com. Uh, on email if you want um, just don't expect a fast reply <laughs> from thursday from thursday to, to monday <laughs> right. someone will get back to you likely won't be me <laughs> but um listen man I, I i love what i do uh it leads me to 
people like you. Um, I love what you're doing. I love the mission. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I'd love to stay connected Let's, and I'd love to help and, and push that mission forward. I think obviously uh, the youth of today uh, is our, they're our future and we got to treat them like, like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm all in. Awesome. Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it. Money Talkers, uh, get ready for the High Impact Series coming up shortly. Um, make sure you go out and, and check out what Ken's doing with Level 5 Mentors. And, uh, and we'll, we'll thank you for being on the show. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker